recent. It was like three hours. Yeah, and I haven't heard. Well, keep an eye over there. It says hold it. Is it alright? Don't worry about it. Okay. Alhamdulillah. <coughs> ونعوذ به من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا إن النفس لأمارة بالسوء وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له يحيي ويميت وهو على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن سيدنا وهادينا وولي أمرنا وإمامنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان لمؤمن ولا مؤمنة إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيارة من أمرهم من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا يضل أبدا ومن يعصي الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا يهدى أبدا اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنه أما بعد Dear brothers and dear sisters The month of Ramadan will commence in a couple of days And we've spoken previously, we've approached the obligation of as-siyam, fasting, from different approaches from year to year. Hopefully this will add to your body of information and the enrichment of your soul concerning this 30 or so day obligation. To take one perspective of our fasting during the month of Ramadan, let us concentrate our attention on, we're, we human beings are a very sophisticated entity. Our internal selves are more expansive than the universe. And then we have this body of ours. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a physique, a physiological presence in the dimensions that we are in. And all of these are subject to the benefits and the advantages of as-siyam, abstaining from our 
lusts and desires, our cravings in the two areas of our biological bodies, those of the stomach, our appetite for eating, and those for and and the the inclination we have towards the other sex. So one way of looking at ourselves as we approach this elevating month is to consider two components inside of us in this complex soul and mind and body feelings and thoughts there are two components we should focus on one of them is our desire there's something inside of all of us which is a desire we want to do certain things the other component inside of us is our willpower we have a disciplinary function in us allah has given us this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying by our biological being, by our lively being, by our nafs, and he who has given it its equilibrium. He has given this nafs the potential for fujur, breaking the limits, and he has given this nafs the potential of taqwa, observing Allah's power in the definition of these limits or limitations. وَنَفْسٍ وَمَا سَوَّاهَا فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا A successful person is one who enriches and enlevens and gives status to his own nafs. وَنَفْسٍ وَمَا زَكَّاهَا وَنَفْسٍ وَمَا سَوَّاهَا فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَّاهَا A person who is a failure is a one who, who gives his nafs its extent of desires and lusts and the rest of it. So these are two components our desire we have a component of desire in us and then we have a component of willpower in us this is i hope we can begin this month of ramadan 
by concentrating our mind on these two elements in our psychological self and in our biological self. Now, this willpower that we have in us can be subject to our desires. Meaning, our willpower can be inferior and our cravings can be superior. It depends on what we want to do with ourselves. Have you ever encountered a person and had a three, four hour discussion with that person, presented that person with all the evidence that makes the facts clear, but at the end the person decides he does not want to agree with the facts. That type of person has subjected his willpower to his predetermined desire. He already made up his mind. You can present him with all the facts, with all the truth, with all the evidence there is, and he's not going to submit to that. Why? Because his willpower is secondary and his, his desire that burning inside of himself is primary. It's a fact of life. Another fact of life is our siyam of Ramadan involves everything in us. Our hearts, our minds, our soul, our spirit, our body, our senses. Everything is subject to the effects of this siyam. Now, the body is an important component of the siyam. We don't eat, we don't drink, we don't have sex during the daylight hours, more or less. So the body serves a very important role in bringing us the benefits of the siyam. But the body not all the years of life this body is qualified for siyam the first 10 or 15 years you're disqualified from siyam the last maybe 10 15 20 or more years you are disqualified from siyam because you are weak. your body is weak but what is not weak inside of you even when your body is weak is your desire even though it may take a hit here and there, but you still have the desire for food. And some individuals may even have the desire for sex until the last day of their life. So the body itself begins to fail. But what does not fail is the desire and the want a person wants things until the last day of his life. Can you bring me this? I want that. That want is there, even though the body is diminishing. So it doesn't go away. 
And then we take a look at ourselves and we find that what we want is located in a psychology that, let's say, I don't have enough. I'm deprived. Muslims in the world, I don't have to fill this in for you. I hope you can trace my contextualization of this. But there are Muslims who are going to be fasting. And fasting to them is sort of an easy exercise. Why? Because they are deprived. They don't have anything. They barely have food. Some Muslims are dying from hunger. So many people, they live in life the pain of deprivation. And then there are other Muslims, obviously not many of them, but there are quite a number of them who live the the distress of having too much. They're bored. They become bored. These are, these are painful. The pain of depravity and the pain of boredom. These are real facts of life. And some people die because of extreme poverty. And some people kill themselves because of extreme boredom. Who do you think commit most suicides in this world? So these are facts of life that live in the human condition that we are speaking about. So how is this dealt with? The only way that this pain can come to an end is when the body no longer lives. We no longer, we die. When we die, we no longer have that pain of depravity and we no longer have that psychosis of boredom. It's no longer there. But when it's there, when we are living our vital years, when we feel these effects, how did, how did human society deal with this? One way that it was dealt with is to your desire you suppress it you suppress your desire until it becomes negligible that's one philosophy in life that deal with these two issues inside of us you suppress your desires and you tone down your wants. Another way in which basically Christianity dealt with this issue, the highest degree of dealing with your desire is actually to terminate your desire. Kill it. You no longer have a desire in you. And this, and it, this is the lifestyle of the monks in Christianity. They, 
basically eliminate any want or any desire in them. And Allah has not decreed that for them. Something that's a that's a method they reach to try to deal with these desires. And remember, these desires end up with wars. Why do we have wars? Because people they want. They want, you see, they want, there's a desire in them to have. So, and Allah says, They artificially created for themselves this, uh, this monasticism. We never assigned it to them. But that's the way they dealt with it. Another uh, aspect of dealing with this has to do with we, the Muslims. How do we deal? We have our desires. We have our wants. We have our willpower. So how do we go about? Do we kill our desires? No desire at all? You don't have, you don't want any more desire for food? You don't want any more desire for sex? Is that the No. Islam came to discipline these desires. Never did Islam look, never did the information we have from Allah and His Prophet consider our body to be something, a burden on us, a negative for us. No. Our body is something that we can if we manage it with the information that comes to us from Allah and His Prophet, we, we, can, we can enhance ourselves. The key, the key here is to discipline these forces inside of us. That's what is required of us. We don't have this philosophy of whoever strikes you on the right cheek, you you turn the left cheek for him, meaning to strike you again. We don't have this philosophy, philosophy of loving your enemy. It doesn't exist. And in the Jewish religion, you know, that harsh punishment. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and all of this. No. In, in Islam, we combine the love and mercy that went to extremes in Christianity and the heart and the justice and fairness that don't have an element of mercy in them that is characterized in the Judaic religion. We don't have that. We have the happy balance between the two. The combination of mercy and justice together. Allah in one ayah says, وَالْكَاظِمِينَ الْغَيْظِ وَالْعَافِينَ عَنِ النَّاسِ وَاللَّهُ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ We are subject to feelings of anger and rage. Human nature, everyone. How do we deal with that? Do we kill this in ourselves? like some other philosophies and religions do? Or do we tame it? 
control it. Those who are in control of their rage, those who can discipline their anger, and those who have it within themselves to forgive and pardon those who have done them wrong. This is an element of discipline in ourselves. Uh, this cannot come from someone who gives you a prescription, says, here, take this, and you're going to be disciplined. But it comes from Allah's revealed texts that tell us how we can control ourselves. In this month of Ramadan, one major component of our discipline is our stomach. Our stomach is part of our body. Our stomach is not something psychological or something mental. It is an organ in our abdomen, our stomach. This stomach can cause us to fail and the same stomach can cause us to succeed and rise. When we fast, what happens? Our stomach feels the pangs of hunger. And when we feel these pangs of hunger, we stay with it. We don't run away from it. I don't say, oh, if I'm hungry, I'm going to go eat. You're fasting. When you're hungry, you are meant to feel the pangs or even the pains of hunger, but not to the detriment of your body. If that hunger is going to cause you to develop a cancer or an ulcer, you don't fast. You see how we are disciplined. We don't go to extremes. يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرِ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرِ so when we are learning these lessons in Ramadan, we are learning it them in the zone of relative comfort. We are not learning these lessons of hunger and thirst and deprivation when our body becomes exposed to ailments and diseases and potentially the onset of death. No, that's not our understanding of Allah and his prophet now we come to and I'll try to finish with this as this subject can go on and some of us are not familiar with this type of khutbah but anyways some observations of the human condition when it comes to our internal selves and some of the internal ailments we have, some people, they practice different types of yoga to feel that they are comfortable inside. And some people, they practice what is called transcendental meditation, also to feel that they are comfortable inside. What these two forms of 
exercises what they are meant to do is to expel from a person's feelings all of those irritations that dwell inside a human being and they can they proved I mean I'm sure some of you have seen or heard of certain individuals who walk on ambers flames of fire and they walk on them and they don't feel anything that is a a way of internally building up their willpower in which the willpower takes over from the normal senses of the human being some other individuals and i've seen this with my own eyes they will put a sharp rod of steel through one cheek and let it go out through the other cheek they don't feel any pain there's been some of these types yogi types or transcendental types that could even bite their tongue and cause the flow of blood to stop and then the tongue turns like a piece of wax with no after effects you'd think people who are doing these types of extreme things would suffer after they do that but after they do that they return to normal nothing has happened this indicates that the human being has the potential for his willpower to overcome his physical demands because in our physical bodies there are two systems at work there's the voluntary system what we do with our control I can raise my hand I can move my foot I can walk I can run I can lay down I can do different things but there's an involuntary component in our bodies and that that's an area where we have no control over our stomach our liver our pancreas our blood circulation our heartbeats we don't have control over that so when we are fasting in the month of ramadan we are building our willpower up so that we can exert the discipline on our voluntary decisions in life i'm not going to go even though their potential is there that our fasting will give us enough power to influence our non-voluntary systems in ourselves so when we speak about the advantages of fasting and people speak about the physical advantages and what it does how it's good for your health and all of this but rarely do they look at the advantages of a siyam when it comes to our determination and this is what we should concentrate on and by the way there have been surveys and studies done 
concerning people who have psychological problems. And it turns out, to make a long story short, it turns out most of the people who have many psychological problems are the ones who have many physical problems. So there's a correlationship between the two. And we should understand that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assigned us to this once a year season of fasting, He did so that we emerge from the month of Ramadan as healthy as we are in our bodies, we are healthier in our spirits and in our willpower. وَإِلَىٰ رَبِّكَ The highest willpower there is, is that determination to be with Allah. If this month of Ramadan doesn't teach us this lesson, we have lost a lot of meanings in this month. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم ادعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Brothers and sisters, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has privileged us with the guidance pertaining to all of our obligations, the month of Ramadan included. But there are people in this world, some of them, they have nothing to do with Islam, And they are looking for the advantages that Allah has provided. And some of them, they know everything that is, the information that comes to them presents Islam as being everything evil. This is the real world we are in. In this crowd, in this worldwide crowd, we are the Muslims and this month of Ramadan is about to begin as it did in previous years and how many Muslims have learned from this month of Ramadan if we just if we just learn what is required the bare minimum no one's here is expecting anyone to become a a wali of Allah or an imam from Allah or these, no, just to become the average acquiring Muslims. So we have these rulers in the Arabian Peninsula who are going to fast Ramadan. In the physical sense, they're not going to be eating during, during the day. I don't doubt in my mind that the majority of them observe the physical fasting. They won't eat, they won't drink, 
during the day. And if they want to get away with the excuses of eating and drinking during Ramadan, they'll they'll travel. They'll come to the U.S. or Europe or these other places in the world and say, well, we are musafir and so we're eating during the month of Ramadan because they use that as an excuse. But how does the king of Saudi Arabia, how does he feel? Uh, Ask yourself, how does he feel when the president of the United States says to him, look, king, something like this, look, king, we are protecting you. And if it wasn't for us, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't survive. Neither you nor your family. And it's costing us. So you're going to have to pay. How do Muslims square this off with their independent character? If he begins his salah, Hanifan Musliman wama ana min al dua al istiftah. Hanifan Musliman wama ana min al mushrikeen. Are you a Hanif? Are you a Muslim? Are you not from the mushriks? When your sponsor and your ally and your protection comes from this person who is in the White House. In this past week, Trump overruled Congress concerning the war in Yemen. And who's happy about this war in Yemen besides the people making money out of it here in the military-industrial complex? Who's happy with this war? Those who are going to be fasting in Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates and in Egypt and in other countries, those who are fasting during the month of Ramadan are very comfortable with this war. Ramadan is supposed to do away with deprivation and hunger and they are imposing deprivation and hunger on tens of millions of Muslims. This is happening during the month of Ramadan. One of the Saudi scholars who's been behind bars since September 2017. His case was supposed to be in court this week, but they delayed it. The prosecutor months ago called for his execution. His name is Salman al Auda. Called for his execution. And now the court has delayed the final judgment and at the same time the courts have been releasing some muslimat four or five of them yesterday and a few of them in the days before who were very active in trying to make the position of women in that kingdom a position of equality and equity in society. This Saudi regime is telling people to look for the Hilal, the crescent moon, Saturday evening. 
I think anyone who knows anything about astronomy and geography and meteorology will tell you you can't see the Hilal in the Arabian Peninsula during that time at sunset on Saturday evening. But this this means that the Saudi decision makers have not learned from previous years. Alhamdulillah, as it appears now, most of the Muslims, and you know every year there is a, disc- a, a, a discrepancy among Muslims in the beginning and the ending of the month of Ramadan, as is the case with the other lunar months. But it seems like, alhamdulillah, anytime more Muslims come together, we feel comfortable. Seems like most of the Muslims are going to begin their fast this coming Monday. Saudi Arabia, that Zionist proxy, offered Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the Palestinian Authority, or whatever is left of it, $10 billion to go along with the deal of the century. Just put this into a little context. Imagine in the time of Allah's Prophet or in the time of the Khulafa after him that they were taking order from the Byzantines and, or, and, and bribing, this amounts to a bribe, and bribing Arab Arabian chieftains to go along with the policies of Byzantium. This is what's happening in today's world. And they get away, these rulers in the Arabian Peninsula, they get away with glorifying the Prophet and the Khulafa when they are doing everything that violates what the Prophet and the Khulafa did when it comes to this area. Kuwait, that nation state, that tribal nation state of Kuwait, has taken extraordinary security measures around the masjids in the month of Ramadan. Why? What are they expecting? They are expecting a blowback from their own type of theological teachings. They created these terrorist monsters and now they are afraid that they may explode, literally explode inside their own masajid. Now I didn't say this, one of the, what I'm going to say right now, one of the 2020 candidates for the presidency of the United States, Bernie Sanders, this is what he said. Israel now is run by a right-wing, dare I say, racist government. Now, Bernie Sanders lived in Israel. Bernie Sanders, in whichever definition that is, is a Jew. He has relatives who are living in Israel. And he says it is a racist government. How, how come when a Muslim says something like that, it's the truth, whether a Muslim or a Christian or a Jew says it. It doesn't matter, it's the truth. But why is it when a Jew says it, no one talks about it. It's like he said something that, well, I'm not going to take issue with him. 
But when a Muslim says the exact same thing, then all hell breaks, breaks loose. Why are you saying something like that? Or a Christian says something like that. Why are you saying something like that? Well, if it's the truth, what do you want me to lie? And I don't know if you've seen this caricature that was in the New York Times last week. The caricature was a dog, a service dog, with the star of David on it, leading a blind Trump who's wearing these shady glasses. And then all of it, it, it expresses the truth of the matter. It's Netanyahu who's leading the, uh, 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 Trump. In other words, Israel is dictating to the United States. And then the New York Times had to apologize because this is offensive to, they say, to the Jews. It should be offensive to the Zionists. It shouldn't be offensive to any Jew. And then the most recent news item in the past few weeks after the pharaoh of Egypt came to the United States. The U.S. is studying whether to classify the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. What is, what is the next step? They're going to first they they classify the Revolutionary Guards in Iran as a terrorist organization. Now they're studying classifying al-Ikhwan al-Muslimin as a terrorist organization. If this continues, they'll classify Muslims as terrorists. That's what you can expect. If this trend continues, that's what will take place in the not-too-distant future. Why is it wrong for Muslims who are being the targets of warfare all around the world, why is it wrong to say the U.S., China, and Saudi Arabia in the year 2018 spent more with the top three countries in the world who were buying weapons okay china and the u.s they manufacture the u.s manufacture manufactures sells and buys weapons china okay you can understand it's a rising power in the but saudi arabia in the le in league with the United States and China in procuring armaments and weapons what does that mean to us now if the rulers the same rulers in Saudi Arabia were located somewhere else we could care less about them but they are located in a geography in which there is Mecca and Al Medina and every Muslim in the world should be concerned on a lighter note, to end this khutbah, it turns out in the year 2018 in Berlin, the most, pop, the most popular name of newborn is Muhammad. With the different spellings, because you know, Turks, they, they Mehmet, and others would spell it, but it, it, the name itself was the most popular. Not in Germany, just in Berlin, it's the most popular name. It's the most popular name given to newborns in Belgium in the past year. It's the most popular name for six 
running years in England and Wales. To us, we say Alhamdulillah, but to those phobic enemies who are out there, they look at this as a signal of danger and threat and future terror. May Allah help them out in their diseased hearts and in their psychosis. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna attiba'ah wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ajtinabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama Rabbana la tu'akhidhna inna sina aw akhta'na Rabbana wa la tahmil alayna isra كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وبارك على محمد وآل محمد كما صليت وباركت على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة